0: Welcome to the Secret Life of Dietitians. I'm Laura Poland,
1: and I'm Amy Keller. I don't know about you, but I cannot get going in the morning without caffeine. Are you like
0: this? I am not. I what? Well, I don't think I am. I don't need coffee in the morning. I don't need caffeinated tea. I do, however, drink my chocolate milk, as I've told you over and over again on the podcast. (laughs) So there is a little bit of caffeine in chocolate, I know, but not significant. No, I don't need it or rely on
1: it. So last week when we had our our last last episode, we talked about fluids. We talked a little bit about caffeine and hydration and the role that that plays. But we wanted to take a deep dive into caffeine itself because there's a lot here and there's a lot of questions about Is it addictive? Um, You know, do you withdraw from it? Is it safe for different age groups, different life stages? So, we really wanted to get into that. So, grab your favorite cup of coffee, or tea, or hot chocolate, and stay with us.
0: lot of questions on how much caffeine like how much coffee is too much
1: right and you know I think we'll get into like different life stages and um, different age groups and pregnancy and those types of things. but I get a lot of questions about that too and there's a lot of myths around it and it does seem I see that I'm seeing more research about caffeine Uh and whether it's safe and, and, you know, even differences between natural caffeine that we find in, you know, coffee, tea, chocolate, versus some of the new products that have what we call added caffeine and how those are different. Yeah. But let's just break down first of all, what caffeine is. Yeah. So it's naturally occurring. Now remember, natural is not always safe. (laughs) Snake bites are totally natural, (laughs) but not safe. Right. Right. So just because it's naturally occurring doesn't automatically equate to safety. So just a good thing to remember.
0: So you find it in nature. Right. Yeah. But
1: there's there's a lot of stuff in nature that's not good for us. Right. But it's found in the leaves, seeds, and fruits of more than 60 types of plants.
0: That's interesting. Um, I didn't know it was in so many different
1: sources.
0: Yeah. Right. So
1: the ones you probably think about when you think about uh, caffeine or coffee beans, Cacao beans, kola nuts, leaves and buds of teas, guarana berries, and even the leaves of yerba mate, which I had to look up, which is a certain kind of tea.
0: Oh, okay.
1: But caffeine can also be made in a lab and added to different beverages and food, which we'll get into here in a bit.
0: Right. So can we just unpack that a little bit? Maybe we should talk about this more in the future. But when you talk about synthetically made in a lab, structurally... Mm -hmm. Even the caffeine from the different plants, really structurally, caffeine is caffeine. Yes, it's a set chemical. Yes, uh, <laughs> compound. Right, and so that's why it can be made in a lab. I get this question a lot. People think. Right. Oh, I want natural vitamins. I don't, you know, and, and versus synthetics. So same thing right. you know, with
1: caffeine. Right. So either I, I can put the, uh, I think I've seen the, I had a t-shirt once that had the chemical structure of caffeine it yeah. from like a coffee shop, which I thought was really cute. <laughs> so yeah, it's a set thing. And and there's a lot of things like this. You know, there's a lot of things that are found naturally that can be recreated in the lab and and are essentially for all intents and purposes, identical. Exactly. Um, we see this with pesticides, for example. You know, uh-huh. there are naturally made ones and there are synthetically made ones. Right. But back to caffeine. So it's a stimulant, which I think is obvious. Yep. And which what means. it does is it stimulates our central nervous system, which increases alertness, of uh-huh. course, and focusing ability. Yes. Um, but there are other benefits to caffeine. Okay. So we know some antioxidants, which help protect uh, cells and reduce inflammation. We'll talk about that when we talk about coffee specifically. Mm -hmm. But it's not necessarily good for everyone. So there are side effects. There are side effects because
0: when you're consuming caffeine, it's obviously what you just said. It helps with alertness and your ability to focus. But it also can, basically, it's affecting your nervous system. So it can actually affect how nervous you feel. It can give you heart palpitations and for some people can give them headaches.
1: Right. So caffeine is absorbed about 45 minutes after you take it. So this is why, you know, you get up in the morning and you have your morning coffee (laughs) and you don't necessarily feel that immediate, I feel good. It takes a little bit before things hit your brain, Uh but it peaks in about 15 minutes to two hours, depending on how fast you metabolize caffeine. And there are differences and how pee fast some people metabolize caffeine which we'll talk about okay so eating food though while you're drinking a caffeinated beverage will might probably will slow absorption so if you're looking for that sort of bigger jolt in the morning, <laughs> be like me and have it on an empty stomach, uh-huh. which is probably not great. <laughs> right. But that's usually the first thing I have that I consume in the morning is coffee, even before I've had breakfast.
0: Oh, yeah. I know my husband. And now, so I know I'm not a coffee drinker. My husband is. And right. sometimes I feel like he needs a cup of coffee to make the cup of coffee. <laughs>
1: You got it, as do I. Yes. Um, interestingly, and we've mentioned this already, coffee is, coffee is our biggest source of dietary antioxidants. So it's that's not fruits and vegetables; uh-huh. it's coffee.
0: I hundred fascinating. I I hundred percent believe that with me too, because I while I don't drink coffee, I do drink tea all day, mm-hmm. and so I can see that. I can definitely see that. That's where most of my antioxidants are probably coming from.
1: One of the biggest myths I hear is that caffeine dehydrates us. And yes, there is a mild diuretic effect. So it does make you have to urinate. Mm -hmm. However, the water in the coffee replaces what you're urinating. (laughs) So it does not lead to dehydration in normal human amounts. So it's not the same. Right. Drinking pots and pots of coffee all day. Maybe it's different. But if you're drinking like a normal, reasonable amount of coffee, yeah, you're not getting dehydrated, even though you feel like you have to go to the bathroom right after. Mm-hmm. Coffee is essentially water with coffee, yeah, so you're not <laughs> getting dehydrated from it. Gotcha, gotcha. And then, of course, we know that the half life for caffeine, and this is gets where you know many people struggle with sleep.
0: Yes. Yep. Don't drink caffeine after three o'clock, right? Right. Or... <laughs> so,
1: and the reason for that is the half-life for caffeine is anywhere from four to six hours on average, which again means that your coffee will last you about four to six hours in terms of energy. So, if you are mm. taking in coffee after dinner at night,
0: yeah,
1: you know, just kind of some people will do that. They'll have an after-dinner cup of coffee. Uh-huh. You might be struggling with sleep. Right. Now, a lot of it depends on how fast you metabolize it. And how much tolerance you have. And we'll talk about tolerance here in a bit. Mm-hmm. My mom is one of those who can drink a pot of coffee all day long. Interesting. You know, she'll come yeah. to visit us in the evening. She'll be asking for coffee at eight <laughs> o'clock at night and she can go right to sleep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: she either has a very high tolerance or she's metabolizing it super fast.
0: Right. I think that's fascinating that we're learning that people do have genetic factors that influence that. Metabolic rate of caffeine, right? Right.
1: Yeah. So, of course, let's move on to that natural versus added caffeine. So, like I said, caffeine can be present naturally, like in coffee beans, but it can also be produced in a lab. So, doing some research for this, I found some very fascinating caffeinated products that you could purchase. (laughs) Are you ready for that? Not just water, huh? Caffeinated water, which I've seen. Okay. Uh huh. Caffeinated soap. Soap? <laughs> I, there has to be something to that. I wonder if they're huh. thinking that it like firms skin or something like that. Because right. really soap doesn't like adjust, like regular right. soap doesn't go into your bloodstream. Right. It doesn't break your skin barrier. Yeah. So I can't imagine caffeinated soap would be able to do that either. So I'm guessing there's something to like skin firming maybe with that. Maybe. But then there's caffeinated beef jerky
0: beef jerky
1: <laughs> why would you wow <laughs> I caffeinated would not have thought look seeds, for that <laughs> caffeinated sunflower seeds and of course we're now seeing caffeinated alcoholic beverages right
0: yeah that I was aware of
1: yeah right so here's a PSA on caffeinated alcoholic beverages if you are and I see this a lot in bars they'll mix like they'll even mix beverages like mm. you know vodka and red bull Uh or something like that if you have a a young person in your life maybe a college student who's doing this regularly or if you do this regularly be aware that just because you're consuming caffeine along with your alcohol does not mean you can't get drunk oh you know uh right right or that you're going to be able to drive safely yeah um people think oh it's counteracting the alcohol that is not the case
0: Oh yeah. No.
1: <laughs> and sometimes you might feel alert, but still be intoxicated.
0: Gotcha. Right. Cause that's two different things. You're going to experience the alertness, but the caffeine or the alcohol tends to make us feel
1: tired sleepy. and sleepy right. and drowsy. So right. So you might you think, might well, I feel, feel great. I'm going to of... get in the car. Yep. You know, so just being Very aware of careful. that. Very careful. Yeah. Yeah, And then, of course, there's energy dr- drinks and shots. Right. Um, so I found this interesting. I assumed an eight-ounce can of energy drink would be off the charts caffeine-wise. Yeah. But believe it or not, it's very similar to a cup of coffee, about 70 to 80 milligrams of caffeine.
0: Huh. Okay.
1: But you know as well as That's I funny. know that energy drinks themselves have other things in them.
0: Right. Right. They're adding the the B vitamins and mm-hmm. all these other things.
1: Yeah. Herbs and Herbs guarana and, berries and right. all kinds of things. The issue is we don't have at this point a clear, and we'll get into this when we talk about kids, we don't have a clear idea of the long-term health effects of using energy drinks regularly. Right. Right. And if you're watching your weight, energy drinks are often sugar sweetened. Unless yep. you're buying zero versions or sugar-free versions, so not yeah. only are you getting a lot of caffeine and maybe some other stuff that you don't necessarily want, you're getting a lot of calories, right? To go along with it, yeah. Um, and you know, I- monster drinks are just like pop in a lot yeah. of ways.
0: Yeah, I know a lot of people do those drinks though that do do the zero drink right. of the monster drinks, and I just I also worry about that, and I'm just not sure if that's right. the best way to get your energy.
1: Right, you know, chocolate had has added caffeine. Some this chocolate my... has added caffeine. Regularly, chocolate has smaller amounts of natural caffeine, which you can buy super caffeinated chocolate.
0: Right. Okay. So, is that like, do they have to put that on the label? They, I mean, I know it would be in the ingredient list. So this is where you would know if they've added caffeine is you'd look at the ingredient list of a product.
1: So this is a good time to bring this up. Caffeine labeling yeah. is not great. At this time, manufacturers are required to put caffeine listed in the ingredients list, Uh but they are not required to put an amount of caffeine, like in milligrams, on the product packaging. Right.
0: You never see that.
1: Right. Now, to be fair, there is pending legislation Mm -hmm. um, that was introduced about a month ago called the Food Labeling Modernization Act. There's a lot of stuff in this bill, but one of the things that's in this bill is caffeine mandatory labeling good so when you buy an energy drink or a piece of caffeinated chocolate or Mm -hmm. caffeinated sunflower seeds it will be on the label how many milligrams of caffeine is actually in the product per serving size so similar to other products it'll be of course how much are you consuming
0: yeah if
1: you're consuming the entire product this is the amount of milligrams of caffeine that you're taking in
0: right So I know even a cup of coffee isn't treated equally. There are varying amounts of caffeine in every different type of coffee that's out there.
1: Right. Um, The website that I use, and we'll put this in the show notes, this is a wonderful website called the Caffeine Informer. You can type in your particular kind of coffee and they have a lot to choose from Uh and it will give you the exact milligrams of caffeine that is in that cup of coffee from Starbucks to Dunkin' Donuts to anything you can think of. Yeah. And then, of course, we will give you for energy drinks and, and all of these uh, the foods that have it added to it. Uh-huh. Um, you can get exact amounts. That's very um, cool. That's awesome. It's an incredible resource for dietitians, but also for the public that is interested in, in yeah. thinking about how caffeine affects our health. Yep. So yeah. I'll put that in the show notes.
0: So what about pure caffeine? Have you seen those pills that they have caffeinated pills out there?
1: (laughs) So this is something that is very dangerous. So pure caffeine, like you might find in pills, powders, is extremely dangerous, harmful to your health, and should not be consumed by anyone. So for example, just a few minutes ago, I mentioned that an eight ounce energy drink or a cup of coffee has about 70 to 80 milligrams of caffeine per day. Yep. One teaspoon, teaspoon of pure caffeine contains 4,700 milligrams of caffeine, which is 10 times the daily recommended limit.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: Two teaspoons of caffeine, pure caffeine is theoretically fatal. Right. Wow. So yeah. this is not something to mess around with. I know there are like, you know, no-dose pills and things like that that people will take, especially if they're trying to drive through the night or something yeah. like that. That would have a smaller amount of caffeine. Though sometimes they'll say it's the same amount of caffeine as a cup of coffee. <clears throat> okay. But if you're looking at purchasing pure caffeine, and I don't know even how readily available that is, this is not a safe thing for you to be using.
0: I hope it's not readily available. <laughs>
1: Right. So, So just being careful if you're hearing people saying, "I want to use pure caffeine."
0: Right. Right. So, let's talk about the recommendations for the different age groups and and uh, for us throughout our life, what is recommended for caffeine. So let's
1: talk about kids to start with. So the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends no caffeine for children under twelve. Wow. Yeah. No. That's
0: happening. (laughs)
1: <laughs> right. Well, I see it happening.
0: I'm not sure. Yeah. I've,
1: I well, I don't know about you. Pretty I pretty mean, sure I, I see kids, drink kids. And pop and. <laughs>
0: right. A pop every once in a
1: while. Right. So, no caffeine under for kids under 12. Okay. Now, to be fair, some kids are recommended to use caffeine if they have ADHD. So, okay. if you have a child who your mm-hmm. doctor has said should use caffeine to manage ADHD symptoms, sure. that's different. Right. And that's something that your doctor is aware of and the doctor is aware of the risks. Right. But in general, right. there is no reason for kids under 12 to be consuming caffeine. Okay. All right. As kids get older, mm-hmm. we talk about 100 milligrams a day is safe for kids 12 to 18. And this is about two cans of pop. Okay. Or, you know, um, I guess if kids are into coffee at that age, one cup of coffee-ish. Mm-hmm. would be safe for some, you know, a couple of iced teas. But generally we talk about a hundred milligrams a day or less. So okay. if you're curious about your child's caffeine intake, this is a great time to go to Caffeine Informer. Uh-huh. And if you have an idea of what they're drinking, just doing a quick search on Caffeine Informer, Right. saying, okay, they're drinking two pops a day. Okay, that's about 80 milligrams of caffeine, 90 milligrams of caffeine, yeah. we're good. Right. But if they're consuming more than that, that's something to be aware of.
0: Those energy drinks, for example. So those energy drinks, yeah, If you really want to watch how much caffeine is in them. If it is the amount of a cup cup of coffee, right. probably okay once a day. But right. I'm not sure I'd recommend energy drinks to anyone under 18.
1: Right. Generally, I think they look at teens as this is not necessarily something any teen should be consuming. Mm-hmm. Even though it may come on in under the recommendations for caffeine based on the size of the container uh-huh. um, there's I think a belief that teens in particular are at risk for overusing energy drinks yeah. and you know, even things like five-hour energy yeah. you know I know a lot of kids use that you know a five-hour energy is 200 milligrams of caffeine just one and that's so that's double the recommended limit right for a kid. right Wow. so just okay. being aware of that Okay. But even before the baby, the kid is born.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, pregnancy. Um, we hear that a lot.
1: So caffeine in particular has, has been somewhat controversial in pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I have remembered times, and maybe you do too, where caffeine of any kind was not recommended for pregnant women. Yeah. Especially in the first trimester, there was concerns about increased risks of miscarriages and those types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, caffeine can cross the placenta. Okay. and both moms and babies metabolize caffeine slowly so a high intake of caffeine by pregnant mothers can lead to high caffeine blood levels in a developing baby okay. which theoretically can reduce blood flow and oxygen level increasing the risk of miscarriage and and lower birth weight however in moderation and of course what is moderation lower intakes are not necessarily harmful so if mom is having a cup of coffee mm-hmm. or two every morning, it's unlikely to be harming her developing baby. Okay. But if mom is drinking a lot of energy drinks in addition to the coffee and pop, right. this can add up much more you know, quickly. Add up.
0: Yeah.
1: So again, low, medium, um, high doses don't appear to re- increase risks of infertility. But like I said, I think in moderation, mm-hmm. caffeine is likely safe for pregnant women. Again. But with a careful eye.
0: Right. You know, right.
1: to make sure that they're not necessarily over consuming. Gotcha. I, I know when I was pregnant though, my first trimester, like coffee was a huge turn off. Like I was a coffee drinker. Uh-huh. I don't know if it was just hormonal or what. And maybe right. that was my body saying, you don't want this. Right. Fine. right. I was I was a latte girl and I loved uh-huh. going to Starbucks and ugh, right. that first first trimester, uh-huh. I did not want it.
0: I do think that I, I remember having aversions while I was pregnant and they were different with my different kids. So it, it's interesting and fascinating. And I think your body kind of tells you what you should and shouldn't be doing sometimes. Right.
1: So listen to your body. Exactly. So in the U.S., adults consume about 135 milligrams of caffeine daily, which is again about two cups of coffee or a little less, one and a half, I guess. Mm-hmm. But we look at about 400 milligrams. So that's about four cups of brewed coffee as a safe amount for healthy adults to consume. Okay. So what does 400 milligrams of caffeine look like?
0: All right. So So, it can be a variety of combinations, but yeah, you mentioned the energy, the five-hour energy shots. That would be two of those, right? Right.
1: (laughs) One Starbucks venti brewed coffee because their coffee is a lot stronger their coffee has than a lot your coffee. coffee maker at home, uh-huh. right? So one one venti coffee is your 400 milligrams. Okay. Five eight ounce Red Bulls. And you might say, well, I would never drink five in one day. And that's fine. Right. Except you might have coffee in the morning and right. then a Red Bull in the afternoon. It's, it's cumulative.
0: Right. Two
1: and a half, 16 ounce Monster Energy drinks. Now, here's where it gets real interesting. 12, 12-ounce 12 Cokes. And again, <laughs> if you're drinking a pack of Coke every day, we have problems other than caffeine. Right, right. But it does show that caffeine levels in soda are not as high as you think they are. Right,
0: yeah. It's
1: not nearly as high as coffee, not nearly as high as coffee or energy drinks. yep. Two 14 ounce Dunkin donuts brewed coffee would be 400 milligrams okay um, so again, you know, this is pretty moderate consumption for most people.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And like I said, it's not easy to find that information on the food label right. So right. you want to use something like like the caffeine informer
0: right because um, if you to like get to get that drink information more...
1: hopefully we will be seeing this on labels in coming years, yes. but even if this legislation passes, it's going to be a couple years before right. you would actually see it printed on package labeling because right. there's always a grace period that's given. Right.
0: But obviously, they have this information. They oh, well, they sure it. do. And they they <laughs> there's right, no they just need so to you, share it. It you, needs you, to be.
1: It's truly a right. a public health issue. You can
0: always call the one eight hundred number on the product and probably find out
1: what it is. Right. If it's not, might be even this able to Find it talking. on a, a manufacturer website. <laughs> right. You know uh, as well. All right. So our, we talk about for healthy adults, but what about people that have health conditions? Right. So heart health, this is something, what do, What do you tell patients about caffeine in their heart?
0: Yeah. So if you've already got heart problems and you're already having issue with increased blood flow, um, increased blood pressure, there can be effects with that. And so I always tell that my clients with heart disease that you know, obviously we listen to whatever the physician has told them in terms of how much caffeine is allowed, but yeah, kind of stick to maybe two cups or I guess maybe, I guess I haven't really thought about it in terms of the milligrams, but Mm -hmm. like two eight ounce cups of coffee a day. Yeah. Is generally what I would recommend.
1: Right. I mean, we look at, you know, people with AFib, you know, that abnormal heartbeat, should they be concerned about their caffeine intake? When I work with patients in the hospital, and of course, when they come to the hospital, we often put them on a caffeine-free diet, which makes everybody nice and grumpy (laughs) um, because they're having testing. But when they go home, usually what I say is speak to your doctor about how much caffeine they're typically comfortable with. And I believe that most doctors can say moderate consumption, one to two cups is not going to be harmful to most people, Mm -hmm. even if you have heart issues. Right there may be some difference with energy drinks in terms of how that affects things like hypertension. So again, right. for somebody who is dealing with hypertension, I would think, you know, caffeine in the form of coffee is probably okay. Caffeine in the form of Red Bulls, maybe not so much. Right. Um, or yeah. in the form of monster energy drinks. So it probably is, is safe again for coffee, but not necessarily other and tea, for example, but not necessarily other things.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Cause there's, we have, Go
0: ahead. I was going to say, there's a lot of studies out there, but you know the negative effects really haven't been found on right. clinical trials, and and uh, so and and even the association with higher risk of high high blood pressure with coffee drinking, um, right. We haven't been again, able to show I, in
1: right <laughs> research. I think again, it's it's more about the amount, not right. necessarily the consumption,
0: and it's just amount a, an idea of we know this is what it happens in the body and we know this is what's going wrong in the body. So it just doesn't seem like a good idea.
1: Right, in large yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of caffeine and sleep, and of course it's obvious to think about hmm. what that might do to your sleep. So interestingly, caffeine binds to the adenosine receptors in our brain. So adenosine is a chemical that in our blood that builds up during the day uh-huh. and eventually you hit sort of a peak of your adenosine and it makes you want to go to sleep. So the problem is caffeine binds to those adenosine receptors, which not only lowers that adenosine level, but decreases other hormones that affect sleep, such as dopamine, uh, norepinephrine, serotonin, and GABA. Mm. So Mm -hmm. it also affects melatonin levels in our bodies. So it can lower your melatonin levels. So again, this is something that if you're struggling with your sleep, and you are consuming caffeine late in the day maybe take an assessment of whether that's good for you yeah, yeah. you know if you're somebody who works a shift job I feel so bad for shift workers oh I you know, do too it, that's
0: because the their hardest
1: hormones thing. are already messed up for their sleep and right. then you throw coffee in on top of that and I yeah uh, I don't even sometimes know how to advise them
0: I agree um, I agree
1: Yeah, but so I would say if you're finding that you're having trouble sleeping, looking at that, minimizing caffeine intake later in the day and right before you go to bed.
0: Right. Give yourself that at least four to six hours.
1: Right. Again, remember that half-life. Right. So can caffeine help you lose weight? So um, I've seen (laughs) this added to weight loss supplements for burning calories. Yep. But there's no evidence to back back this up. So I suppose if you're tired because you're not eating enough, Yeah. Caffeine could conceivably give you more energy. Right. We know that it stimulates the sympathetic nervous system as well, which might help help suppress hunger, uh, make you feel fuller, uh, and theoretically could increase the breakdown of fat cells. Hmm. However, you would have to consume a large amount Hmm. of caffeine to make this work. Okay. So six cups of coffee a day may need be needed to achieve a modest increase in calorie burning. So that's quite, that's actually more than is recommended. Right. Um, we're recommending again, no more than four cups of coffee a day for adults. So we'd have to do six cups of coffee a day just to get a modest calorie burn. And
0: that doesn't, and then, se- right. that seems to contraindicate the sleep thing. So then you are you gonna be messing up your sleep, which then exactly. we know also affects your weight? It also affects your
1: weight. Right. Right. And you know, I drink my coffee black, but I mm-hmm. know a lot of people don't. Right. And so there are a ton of calories and things like creamers, sweeteners, yeah. um, sweetened creamers, lattes, mochas, you call you name it. Even These t- are not t- healthy mm-hmm. coffee drinks right. in any way, shape, or form. These are milkshakes, essentially. Right. With caffeine added. Right. Um, so
0: if you're going yeah. for the caffeine for the calorie burn, it's, you know, you're adding back all the calories in these other products that you're adding to yes. and more. Yep. So definitely not a good weight loss approach to right. increase the caffeine. <laughs> Got it.
1: <laughs> we do know there's maybe beneficial effects of coffee uh, with things like liver disease, um, liver cancer prevention, fibrosis, cirrhosis, We also know it may have a reduce our risk of gallstones to consume coffee. And interestingly, decaf does not show as strong a connection as caffeinated coffee. So it's likely that caffeine actually contributes to that gallbladder protective effects. Okay. Um, So again, you know, if you're looking to prevent liver disease, gallbladder disease, um, you may be interested in consuming coffee.
0: Interesting. You know, I drink decaf tea. Yeah. I don't even drink caffeinated tea. So
1: I don't know how you function. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. You're high, you're high on life. High on life. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> but I, I,
0: I do, I have added in a little bit of a caffeinated. I do add one tea bag of a caffeinated for flavor. I use a flavored tea. So I'm assuming there's a little bit of caffeine in that. I'll have to look at it right. up, though. I don't know. <laughs>
1: So. so one thing I've been reading a lot about recently is about how caffeine affects athletic performance. And the, uh, the, the studies are kind of mixed on this. Um, there is some thought that um, caffeine, you know, consumed after exercise may increase stored carbohydrates in our muscles. So that glycogen, which may right. help you have a better workout next time.
0: Yes, I've um, heard that too.
1: I know that some people who run or exercise will have caffeine, as, you know, a cup of coffee before they go and run mm-hmm. and find that it necessarily might kind of feel like they're, it decreases their effort levels, or uh-huh. at least their perceived effort levels sure. when they're exercising. That
0: makes sense, right? um,
1: But we do know that, again, the research is mixed. And too much caffeine consumed before exercise not only makes you have to stop to go to the bathroom, <laughs> but also may have no benefit to your workouts. Gotcha. So I, you know, I think it's reasonable <clears throat> for athletes to consume moderate amount of caffeine before they, you know, a cup of coffee before they go for their morning run mm-hmm. is fine. Sure. Um, or, you know, consuming, you know, caffeine after exercise may be reasonable, but again, all within those moderate amounts. Right. Overdoses, super doses have no benefit to athletes.
0: Yep. More is not better.
1: Right. So let's talk about caffeine sensitivity. So we talked about um uh, you know, at the beginning that some people metabolize caffeine factor uh, more quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, there is an enzyme uh, in our liver called CYP1A2. You don't need to remember that. <laughs> but this is the enzyme that determines how quickly we metabolize caffeine so some people genetically produce a lot of this enzyme and some don't produce very much at all the majority of us are somewhere in the middle Mm -hmm. so we metabolize caffeine more normally but i'm wondering if my mom has a lot of this enzyme yes she must She, she either must metabolize quickly or she's extremely tolerant to caffeine right And like I said, there are other genes that, you know, cause us to be rapid caffeine metabolizers. About 10% of the population is considered a rapid rapid caffeine metabolizer and they're not very caffeine sensitive.
0: Okay. It's only 10% of us.
1: Right. So again, most likely you're not necessarily a fast metabolizer of caffeine. So we need to be aware of that.
0: Yep. Most likely.
1: And then finally, caffeine addiction. And this is something that I really have trouble with the word addiction when yes. we talk about caffeine. I have trouble with the word addiction. We talk about sugar.
0: Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. Me too.
1: Right. Addiction to caffeine is likely not a phenomenon. Okay. Um, and there have been no evidence of true addiction found in studies. So while regular users of caffeine can develop kind of a tolerance or a dependence. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you, withdraw your caffeine suddenly, right? You could get a headache or uh-huh. maybe some other symptoms. But this does not qualify as addiction. Addiction is pathological, it's compulsive. Okay. Um right. it's not caffeine is likely dependence and not addiction. And right. in fact, in the DSM five caffeine addiction, was that DSM five is the manual of psychological disorders. Mm-hmm. Caffeine addiction is not listed, right? Caffeine use disorder and withdrawal are listed. So yes, Mm. we know that you can have caffeine withdrawal, but that does not mean you're addicted. Gotcha. So if you're regularly drinking coffee, sure, you might have tolerance. And sometimes tolerance, if you think about this with from a medication perspective requires sometimes you need more of that medication to get the same effect. Same thing with caffeine, you might need more Gotcha. to get the same effect. I've noticed, for example, on weekends, I don't drink as much coffee as I do during the week.
0: Uh-huh. I'm not needing
1: to be that super alert yeah, that I am yeah. during the day. Uh-huh. Um, and sometimes I'll find I'm a little more tired on the weekends. And if I have an extra cup of coffee, it kind of gets me back up to my normal levels yeah. of caffeine consumption. <laughs> again, this can happen with addictive and non-addictive substances and drugs as well. So again, tolerance is not addiction independence okay. is not addiction okay but people do experience withdrawal right 12 to 24 hours after you stop drinking caffeine you might start to feel that withdrawal be- occurring with kind of the peak happening at one to two days okay. so if you find you missed your coffee for a day for whatever reason yes you might end up with a headache in the afternoon and uh-huh. feel kind of sluggish yes you're probably withdrawing from that caffeine but i thought it was very interesting in my research for this I just assumed that happened to everyone. yeah, who went off caffeine. Believe it or not, it's only fifty percent of the population. Wow. There are some people. I don't know who they are, right but they're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> can miss their morning coffee and function cannot. fine the whole day with no, you know right. withdrawal headaches or feeling bad. Uh-huh. Um, I just assumed it was everyone. everyone.
0: yeah, I would have it's really too.
1: only fifty percent of habitual coffee drinkers will not experience any withdrawal at all. And boy, aren't they lucky.
0: Yes, they are. Yes. My husband is not one of those. No, me neither. I
1: can already tell you, I'm not one of those people.
0: Well, thank you Um, for doing this deep dive on this caffeine and and, and coffee. Because like I said, I'm not a coffee drinker. So to me... I don't know. It's not as big on my radar. So I really appreciate all the research you did on this. I think it's fascinating.
1: Yes. So again, just like anything else, and we've preached this, I think, as much as we can in the last three seasons. Yeah. You know, moderation is key. Everything in moderation. Right. I mean, if again, if you're consuming a normal amount of caffeine, you know, three to four cups of coffee a day, I do not believe you have anything to worry about. Nope. If you are consuming pots of coffee all day and you're struggling with your sleep right. or, you know, whatever, that might be time to reevaluate. And especially if you are, you know, compounding your caffeine throughout the day, you're having coffee in the morning and then an energy drink in the afternoon right. and then soda with dinner. Yeah. yeah, that can add up. Right. So, you know, if you want to say, you know, I love my coffee and I'm going to have coffee in the morning, enjoy it in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, and then which D de- 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 like to decaf in the afternoon if you must right. must have it before dinner. You we know, we've even tried half calf mm-hmm. here at the house, and that yeah. can give us a little bit of a push in the afternoon, uh-huh. but it doesn't affect our sleep at night, which is what is very important. Right. So
0: right, I just go back to the don't forget too the antioxidant and the the effects yeah. that it has. It's a positive thing,
1: right? Right. So I think we find more studies saying that coffee drinking. And to be fair, coffee drinking without sweeteners and creamers.
0: Right, right. You're gonna you're talking about that black effect coffee <laughs>
1: right. right, you're talking about not not you know mochaccinos and and, and mm-hmm. just that's not that's right. different. Right, black coffee. Yeah. You know, if you can find if you can enjoy black coffee, mm-hmm. then that's a that's a good thing. Yeah, because again, you're getting all of the benefits without any necessarily um, extra calories that come along with it. Or, you know, and bag. you put sugar in your coffee, right. the antioxidants are there, but then you're also consuming sugar, which is right. not great. Right. So, right. Um, yep. All right. Well, if you have questions about caffeine or any other other issues, uh, we would love to hear from you if you want us to take a deeper dive on another subject. Again, we love to do these kind of deep discussions about just a smaller topic like this. You can reach us at dish at secretliferd.com. You can also uh, get with us on Instagram at The Secret Life Dietitians. And we will, also, we will see you next time wherever you get your podcasts.